Scent World is an original series presented by Scentbird, a fragrance subscription service that brings you luxury designer scents every month for $16.95. Unlock 50% off your first month at Scentbird.com. Welcome back to Scent World, a show that explores the power of expressing yourself through scent. Today, we're featuring Carlos Huber, the founder of Arc East, based in New York City. Think of a place in time in history and imagine what it smelled like. This has been the source of inspiration for Carlos, tapping into scent to unlock the past. His work as a fragrance developer includes the signature scent for St. Regis Hotels and Resorts, the nostalgia-infused vacation sunscreens, and the first fine fragrance for J.Crew. With Arc East, he channels his background in architecture and historic preservation to create time capsule experiences in collaboration with perfumers Rodrigo Flores Rue and Jan Vassner. In this episode, Carlos sits down with Brittany Jackson Mosley, who runs integrated marketing at Scentbird. He talks about the magic of baby cologne and tells the story of how patchouli became the scent of outcasts. Together, they explore destinations around the world through hundreds of years, from 16th century Japan to 17th century Mexico. Travel to distant worlds with Carlos Huber on Scent World. So architecture, that's not something you would typically expect to hear in the world of fragrance, but I love the the storytelling around it. And it just seems pretty poetic. I became interested in architecture as a young kid uh, because I loved um, discovering old cities and old buildings. I loved old buildings. I loved the stories they told. Um, and I was fascinated by these environments that were so different from like, you know, the ones that we grew up with. Um, I'm from Mexico City. And I think when I discovered like the historic center of like my own city, it was just eye opening. So I knew then that I wanted to be an architect. And it was mainly because I wanted to store uh, to study um, history of architecture. Um, and so when you're an architect, and you're designing, even if you're designing something very new, and modern, you always take into account um, the landscape, you take into account uh, if if you're like renovating an old building, the history of the building, um, the construction materials you're going to use. There's a lot of thought and a lot of um, just acknowledgement of, of the environment, the past, uh, what is there and was there to create something new, right? And uh, especially with my specialty within uh, uh, architecture, which was historic preservation, which if, uh, for those who don't know, it's basically, uh, the study of, uh, historic, historic architecture and, um, the way to like launch it into the present and really into the future, right? Because oh, wow. you want to like restore buildings that tell a story and that are significant to us today. So, uh, there's a lot of research that goes into architecture, um, and I thought it was a uh, really incredible that when you're designing a space, um, and of course you deal with like light and volume and uh, the decoration of it, 
um, the whole experience of the place changes yeah. from your, you know, design and from whatever you're doing to it. The same way that an olfactive experience, right? The smell of something changes your experience of uh, such a place or a person. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's something that like uh, fragrance and architecture share in common. They're both actually technical arts. There's a lot of like science that goes in, in into the study and the execution of both of them. But at the end of the day, they tell you a story and they define a place and an experience. Wow, that's absolutely beautiful. And a completely, to me, at least a, a fresh take on fragrance. Um, it's not just for for the wear, but you you're kind of evoking this idea that fragrance is an experience and it can evoke different experiences absolutely. or memories, which is super cool. So you mentioned Mexico City before, um, and now you're in New York City, and I believe you spent some time in Europe. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your experience in all of these different places? Yeah, I mean, I'm born and raised in Mexico City. Uh, all my family is there. Um, Mexico and Mexico City in particular is a huge part of, you know, who I am. Um, and I come from like a very multicultural family that, you know, our family itself, they were immigrants that came from Europe back in the, the 20s and 30s and settled in Mexico. And uh, because of that, we're actually quite attached to Mexico and very grateful for the country uh, for welcoming us, you know, generations ago. But at the same time, um, I did, I think I always like was born with like wanderlust. Mm -hmm. And I never really felt that even though I was very proud and very uh, grateful to be Mexican, I always thought that, you know, I saw myself as a citizen of the world and I wanted to learn more and wanted to learn more languages. So I studied in Paris and did an exchange program there and learned French uh, to study architecture there. And then after that, I, I settled in Spain and worked in Spain for a while in architecture. And that really also kind of like was very um, part of my formation, you know, like not only within my career, but also as a person. I think it opened my eyes to like a larger world. I think also like learning another language just like is incredible for that reason. You know, it like it opens up an entire world of culture and uh, perception to you. And after that, I moved to New York and I've been in New York already for around 16 years. And oh, wow. New York really suits me. And I think this is really fantastic about New York that it is very much a melting pot. People come from all over the world. Um, there's also a lot of like uh, license to maintain your own culture and who you are and not have to sort of uh, dilute it because, you know, now you're like in a place that only accepts this, right? Um, Right. And I think New York is a very open, exciting place for that. You meet people from all over the place, all over the country, of course. Um, and it's a boom town. It allows you to thrive and to create and to explore ideas. And if they work, great. If they don't work, there's always a chance to do something different and new and to reinvent yourself. But New York is not only steel and stone, it is people too. Millions of beating hearts, lights and shadows, night and day. A strange cosmopolitan paradox. A city that never sleeps. Its spinning tempo carries on. A wonder city. When you think about a perfumer or a fragrance brand, 
Uh, you don't think about someone with your background, with all of these wonderful experiences and different places of inspiration. You think about, you know, Gross or, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. being from, um, you know, creating from a European or even um, creating view, from yeah. a European point of view or, or being from France and, and learning about perfumery from there. Uh, so uh, I know the brand is based here in, in New York City. Could you tell us a little bit about what that means to you and how you're able to take those experiences you've had in your non-traditional fragrance background and, and make it um, make a fragrance brand that's modern? I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a Francophile at the same time, right? I, I, I do have, uh, like a complete appreciation for French culture, French language and the French arts. And I think it's a beautiful country with like, that has like given so much to the world. But that being said, perfume and the world of perfume belongs to the entire world, right? Right. Um, if you really think about it, like perfume industry, actually the art of perfume is has you know gone goes back to like mesopotamia and the egyptians right but modern perfumery started really in italy and then mm. it was like taken to france and in france it became more of an industry and uh kind of like maybe took the shape that we know today right um so it is very much like a french industry but um what i was fascinated by the fact that a lot of the raw materials that i was interested in a lot of like flowers especially um, come from Mexico as well. Wow, yeah. Like tuberose, uh, frangipani, uh, marigold, um, wild acacia, acacia, which is another one that I, I love. All of these flowers actually come from Mexico. So I thought like, you know, that's kind of interesting. I have, it's, it's where I come from. It's like scents that I know from nature there. Um, and it's my connection to fragrance. I think New York also allowed me you know, open the door uh, for me to create Arquiste in a way that maybe in France it would have taken me longer because there would have been maybe more conservative conservative attitudes towards fragrance that would have like not uh, just yeah like given me the opportunity to do what I wanted to do with Arquiste. Right. Um, coming as an architect uh, originally from Mexico City. Um, that didn't have a connection to fragrance, that didn't have a family story around fragrance, that, um, you know, wasn't trained in grass. And to be able to do it and people, you know, support and believe in me, I think it's very much a New York phenomenon of, again, like that boomtown situation of like, you have an idea, tell me about it. If it's good, I'll help you. Um, right. And if not, go back to the drawing board and let's make it happen. And I think that's like very exciting about New York, you know, till today, I don't think like that's going away. I think that's part of like the New York culture. I love that you've been able to kind of create your own pathway in your own lane in fragrance, uh, unlike anyone else. It's so inspiring. I was wondering if we could take it back a little bit and talk about your, um, where you got your first love for fragrance. How did what kind of sparked your your love for fragrance and your interest in fragrance? I think honestly, again, it's like experience driven for me. Mm -hmm. I think for me, fragrance was always linked to like the experience of a place and a memory. You know, maybe even somebody in particular. Um, uh, one of the first fragrance uh, or effective, let's say, experiences that I remember was walking into a hotel lobby and just being kind of like 
over not not overwhelmed in a positive way by this scent that was just all around me and i thought it was like beautiful and fascinating i didn't understand where where it was coming from i was a like young child so i obviously i didn't understand that it was like just the flowers in the vase <laughs> that were in like the table in the center of the lobby and it was something very simple but i just didn't understand i thought it was like why does this room smell in a specific way and it's so uh beautiful and so unique to this place like i walked through the door and a whole new experience opens up in front of me so i think that what made me very curious about scent um the fact that it could change an environment that it could change uh the experience of like a place i also love and i loved sort of like the grooming rituals that you know i saw my mom and my dad have around fragrance i loved how you take a scent you make it your own it becomes part of your signature um even if you have like many fragrances and you enjoy wearing all of them it defines your day right it defines what you're wearing it defines like your mood um, absolutely it defi defines other people's like perception of you as well uh and it becomes ingrained and you know in their mind so i think that's also really beautiful about scent you you know you might be wearing something and you know somebody might remember it but the way you smell is very intimate and it's very uh just it sparks something else it like it, i think it just like there's it there's a n different set of like your synapses in your brain yes. that react to that. <laughs> Absolutely. It's super tied to memory. Mm -hmm. Scent and memory are so linked. And, and that is, to me, the basis of any experience, like your scent, your memory, the environment, um, and how you feel about it at the end of the day. So um, I love that that relates to you, to the person, yeah. um, tying uh, people together with the fragrance. I know some of your scents are kind of wrapped around this rich storytelling, these experiential moments. Um, could you tell us about um, the importance of scent and memory in your um, line at Arquiste? Well, in Arquiste particularly, what I try to do with each scent is recreate a moment in time and transport you there through the the raw materials right so through uh the notes that evoke the landscape that evoke maybe the setting the building the house that this like story takes place through uh also maybe notes that represent the people in the story M they might be cosmetic notes of like what people wore as fragrance or makeup at the time or even just representing their skin right um you are transported to this like place in a very particular moment, right? Mm -hmm. But um, what's interesting when it ties you tie that to memory is that you may have not had a memory of that particular moment because it's very distant in time and place, right? You're maybe talking about something that is from the 16th century and you have like no direct connection to that. But once you smell it and it it reminds you of something in your own life, now you've created a bridge. Yes, between history and global history and you know uh, something that you thought was like removed from you and you've understood that it's actually not that removed from you that it is part of like the present that you live today that you know maybe the notes that were um from ingredients that were traded in the 16th century between uh you know the japanese and the spanish uh you understand that now they're notes that are part of your reality today because of that moment in the past 
Um, which is, I think, also what's fascinating to me about the history of, you know, commerce and all these things, like the world that we surround ourselves with today and all its like material richness is a result of all these like travels and exploration of the world. So, um, yeah, that's what I think is really lovely that you connect your own life and your own experience and maybe something that you're now going to create a new memory with somebody else. Because maybe your scent now will represent you in somebody's mind. And that now has a connection to, you know, global history. And it just like, I think it unites us all. Absolutely. It's forming a connection. That's, I've never thought about fragrance that way, but it's kind of like you're passing on this olfactive memory. Exactly. To someone. Yeah. So cool. You know, all of this, you know, you seem to be passionate about storytelling, the reason behind the scent, like. You're not adding notes together because it's necessarily just, oh, I like this note. Let's put it together. You're really building that moment that you describe. Um, I'd love to hear about the journey from starting your fragrance brand and creating that first fragrance. Could you tell us a little bit about what it took to get there the first time? Oh, that was, well, that was like incredible because I had, you know, so I came to New York to study historic preservation as you know a specialty within my career in architecture. And I graduated and then I started working in uh, store design, you know, creating like stores and uh, retail spaces actually, but that always had like an historic uh, kind of reference or that were in historic buildings. At the same time, I was I started to work on uh, what we call like you know a fragrance briefs. Uh, for the development of like the sense in the Yerkes collection and, you know, working on like the concept of what the brand was going to be, right? The design of the bottle, everything. When I was working on the briefs, the way that I knew how to write a brief was basically write a, an essay, an academic essay on like these stories that I wanted to tell. So I would research the story. I basically had uh, a bibliography and all these notes on what I wanted the scent to be, what was the connection between the raw materials, between the notes and the story, the place that I wanted to evoke. And all the basically uh, academic scientific research behind it, well justified in a bibliography. Wow. And I think I, I sent this to the perfumers that I was working with, uh, to create these scents. And I think that's what they thought was really interesting, mm -hmm. that it was just not, not only a marketing idea, um, there was a whole research behind it. There was like a very serious kind of a, approach about authenticity and veracity and that we wanted to make something that was, um, you know, really rooted in fact. And so I created these like, you know, briefs that were not brief at all. <laughs> they were like pages and pages and pages <laughs> long with a lot of like quotes and citations and just everything. And the first day that I was brought over to the lab to smell the first, uh, well, in fragrance, we call them modifications, right? Like the first um, trials of what these fragrances will eventually become um, that you keep refining, of course. I, I just like brought like tears to my eyes almost because I was smelling ideas that I had like toyed in my brain for so long that I was like trying to like recreate in my brain of how these places and these times would smell like. Wow. Um, and finally being able to do so um, through also the talent of like the incredible perfumers that I work with 
was just super exciting. It was also, to be honest with you, I mean, I was just a nerd trying to like, <laughs> you know, do his thing with like my research and to be able to like see this like transformed into an actual, uh, and I mean, tangible in the sense of like experiential <laughs> thing. Something that product. I could like, like smell and it was right in front of me. That was super exciting. Wow. What are those, um, what are, were the first few fragrances in this collection where, um, you were kind of moved by how the perfumer was able to help you translate your beautiful brief, your dissertation, if you will, yeah. into, into a, a fragrance. What were those first ones? Well, they, the, the ones that really were very exciting to me were the ones that were really uh, just harking back to like a very historic moment, you know, like to the 17th century or to like Aztec Mexico, you know, like pre-Hispanic, like 14th century places and times that were so distant and also uh, that were not like a clear connection to our reality today, right? And to smell those scents based on the authentic research, uh, the correct representation of those like notes and to smell them and to think, oh, this reminds me of this today. Like there was mm -hmm. one that was based on like 17th century Spain. And it actually reminded me of like the baby colognes that I grew up with in Mexico that oh, wow. are actually very much a Spanish influence, the Spanish uh, kind of like cultural thing to Let's have like this that, baby cologne. Baby cologne. Yeah. I think most Americans have not heard of a, a baby cologne or like oh, the idea of it, but I know it's um, very I know. common. We're in We're missing Spain out on and, this country, right? Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about that, just as a side? I think that's really interesting. I mean, it's very benign, right? So it's not. There's nothing. It's, it's of course like fragrances that are very soft and very low concentration, so that they're not really uh, aggressive at all yeah, to skin baby safe. skins. Yeah, very much very safe. Um, but you know, I think in Europe and uh, in Spanish culture, Latin America culture um smelling well smelling of a fragrance is very important at any point in life right mm -hmm. so it's very much part of like you know regular grooming of a baby to use a baby cologne to comb their hair to just like pat gently on their like you know little cheeks or their little <laughs> bodies um and it's a it's a very soft usually it's a, like an orange blossom very musky very soft uh very eau de cologne kind of form formula um and yeah we grew up with that i think it's 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 a very normal thing to have uh, your baby cologne and then grow out of that, that and use something else. But it's a very nostalgic scent. Yes. I think for the people that are, grow up with that. Um, and it's orange blossom and orange blossom has like a really beautiful quality of being kind of ageless in that sense mm -hmm. that, you know, you can use it on a baby. You can use it for something very fresh. It also has like a, a lot of, uh, connection to sort of, uh, the animal world that can be very sexy and very carnal and it's floral. And at the same time, it's very mineral. It just has a lot of layers and uh, yeah, baby cologne is what like this, like 17th century Spanish formula reminded me of. And I understood that at the end of the day, culture doesn't lie. Like right. it's something that has been maintained in Spanish culture. And to this day, um, is part of our lives. And I thought, again, that connection, that bridge to the past was really beautiful and fascinating to me. It's like your time, you're a 
you're guiding us through like this time travel, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> going back in time and bringing these um these ideas, these notes, uh, these elements into the present day through fragrance. Yeah, and then you know, then think of like now you wear this fragrance, and somebody falls in love with you, and that's your scent, and they'll remember that scent forever. And now that that extra link now, uh, you're building on a story. You're building building on history. So it just like means that we're all part of this big, uh, you know, it's a web. bubble. Yeah. yeah, a web really of 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 connections. We're all part of the same family tree. Yeah, essentially through scent. Yeah. Well, through other ways, but also through scent. Well, through scent is a really beautiful way to like connect, you know, because it's very immediate. It's at the same time, very deep, you know, it goes really into you. You are attracted and both repulsed by scents and it, they go really deep inside of you. Um, and those connections are very important. They guide us through life. I mean, when something, when people say like, this doesn't smell good to me, there's real meaning to that. And so scent like really orients you with like, it, when something smells bad, it's supposed to like make, make you move away from something that is maybe rotten or uh, a sense of danger of like a fire or smoke. Right. Um, and also, you know, beautiful things, nature, flowers, they are attracting you because it's their way also of like you know, uh, reproduce in the world. Wow. I love that. It's like, <laughs> I just feel like fragrance is the universe and the universe is fragrance. Yeah. <laughs> it's very romantic. And it's also a really beautiful thing to like add to your routine, you know, like you feel well when you wear it, you feel clean, you feel, um, attractive. Um, you feel put together. I mean, there's a lot of levels and a lot of layers to fragrance that are very interesting. A lot of, um, fragrances I know from looking at briefs are, we want to reach this audience and we want it to smell like this, or, you know, it's very, um, you know, kind of demographic yeah, instead of the psychographic. Which, which has a value, of course, and yeah. I understand it for like a specific, um, you know, goal. Yeah. Some and of the best fragrances were made that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a different take. It's a different take. I mean, I always, of course, like think also of like, who's going to wear this and why should they be interested in this? Mm -hmm. So I'm not out there like just like working on a story that is so esoteric that like only myself uh, and maybe the perfumer will get. Mm -hmm. I want to tell stories that have a certain certain universal allure to them and interest to them. Um, and I definitely want to reach what I've like cultivated as the artist audience, which has been, you know, 10 years in the making, people that expect good storytelling, people that mm -hmm. expect to be transported to a different place. It can be, uh, you know, to Australia or Russia or France or, you know, the US, but you want to be taken somewhere. Um, it's, it's maybe people that are interested in, um, more like the richness of the fragrance itself than the how to use it or what right. am I going to get out of this? Am I going to like get a lot of compliments, which is always important, of course, mm -hmm. but you want to have that be a sort of like a, a really happy side effect to, to it. Yes. In the development process, we definitely focus on that, believe me, but we want you to kind of like discover that as like a, a uh, an extra. It's the cherry on top. The cherry on top. So, um, yeah, for me, like the brief is really about consistency and really great storytelling. I think in creating a brand, I've found that 
honoring the people that have believed in you from day one. Um, even if it was like, you know, four people, those four people are very important. And it's very important to uh, keep delivering what you promised from the get-go. Because if you were, uh, you know, yourself, you believed your own story, mm -hmm. then why would you not like keep working on that? I mean, also kind of like having fun with it too. Mm. I think that's another promise. At some point, to be honest with you, I may have been a little jaded and I maybe lost a little bit of the fun because of like the pressure of like, you know, being in a very saturated commercial uh, space with, um, yeah, a lot of pressure to to have like success, to have sales, to expand, yeah, to uh, expand your collection, to expand your distribution. And then I thought, no, 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 I need to like go back to the fun. I need to go back to like creating stories that are really interesting, that are really lovely, that are fun to talk about, um, which create fun fragrances to wear. Yeah. And that is also uh, like another one of the promises. I think, you know, don't lose sight of uh, just creating beautiful product that has, that you can tell has passion behind it. And you can tell like the people doing it were having a good time creating that. Absolutely. Because when you see that brands like expand really uh, um, kind of mechanically, mm -hmm. I think you yourself lose a little bit of the interest. You, yeah. you start seeing it like, mm, this is a little bit diluted. Um, we didn't need five candles in a month from right. this brand. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's too much maybe. So going uh, back to having fun, going back, back to maybe like a more organic kind of growth is actually an asset. And as we've seen with like, you know, what's happened in the world, sometimes like too much growth is counterproductive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love to hear, like when people think about niche or, you know, I, do, do you mind the phrase niche? Or no, the term? I, I consider the brand a, a niche brand, a boutique yeah, brand. luxury niche, boutique, independent. Independent. Yes. Um, when people think about that category of fragrances, I think they um, oftentimes think about it being serious or, you know, very, you know, academic. And mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear that you say you want to make sure it's fun and, and wearable and there's a, um, a passion and there's a, um, a beautiful story around it that's, it just feels a little, it feels very accessible and it feels like I can, or through smelling, I can sense the accessibility in these fragrances despite them being very niche, very, very high quality craftsmen. Um, so that's, that's really cool to hear you say that. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big believer in like directness. I mm -hmm. like, uh, quick answers. Um, and I think like, that's what people are, look for in a fragrance. Um, there's of course, like a lot of merit to fragrances that evolve and dry down on your skin and like tell you a story along the way. But the first impression is important. Yeah. So that accessibility to sort of like, okay, I get it. This is what the fragrance smells like from the beginning, I think is very important to me. Because mm -hmm. um, as a consumer, I want that, uh, not immediacy, but I want like, again, like that uh, easy access, that like direct kind of like solution to the question of like, how does this smell like? Right. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I believe, I believe accessibility is also key um to to 
then surprise them with more layers, with more richness, with like, oh, wow, that, now this fragrance is taking me on a journey. That I think is really beautiful. But you want it from the beginning to be uh, a good like snapshot of like what this fragrance like represents. Experience scents that transport you to different moments in history with a quick tour of the Ark East fragrance line. We're about to explore Misfit, Nanban, and Sydney Rockpool. So let's start with Misfit. First of all, I love the name Misfit. So Misfit was is a, is a really beautiful story. I um the background of it is Rodrigo Flores Rue, which is the perfumer that I, I work with the most, and he's my closest collaborator and my very good friend, uh, at one point developed a patchouli fragrance that he made for me, um, and he called it Pacharles instead of patchouli. <laughs> and I just loved wearing it. And every almost every year, he would like do a tweak to it and like then give it to me. And he was he would always talk about patchouli in a very uh interesting way because he would say you know patchouli um to our noses is kind of like an accident um it was first discovered as like a fragrant um ingredient because when in the 19th century people would package um these beautiful indian shawls to to transport them to ship them from india to europe to sell um, they would wrap them in patchouli leaves. Ah. So when you opened the box with these like shawls, what you would smell is like the beautiful patchouli around them. And the shawls would smell of patchouli. So for a while, when a woman was wearing this shawl, she would smell of patchouli and it became a very prestigious uh, scent because it was associated with, you know, the the how expensive these shawls were and how like difficult it was to ship them from India all the way to like France or England or Russia, right? Um, then industrial, industrial revolution happens and people start copying these shawls uh, in Europe and they fall into, you know, being a less prestigious, less desirable commodity. So they start being given away, uh, sold in secondhand stores to uh, women that could afford them um, and women that could buy them or receive them as gifts from somebody else. A lot of times this meant concubines mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, women that were working the streets. Yes. <laughs> so then the scent of patchouli became the scent of courtesans and bohemians. And this is the first time that patchouli was kind of like declared as a scent of misfits. It was a scent of like the, of counterculture in a way of like people that did not conform to uh, the social views of like, you know, the mainstream. The, of, yeah. the, the mainstream. And so Rodrigo would always like give me these sort of like uh, snippets of information that I thought was super interesting. And uh, I've always loved the ingredient and I love that it's, like, it's, it's evolved is sort of like straddling this world between like being very refined and being very counterculture. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was also very, you know, misfit. That was very sort of like... It's high-low. Yeah, high-low. Like, <laughs> exactly. That was like something that very, very, um, you know, that people could could have the confidence to to straddle these two worlds with such, you know, 
kind of gusto and such like panache. And um, so we decided to like work on it as a real story and to tell the story of the, the patchouli scented shawls and how they were first something very regal and refined and then it became something very bohemian and avant-garde and counterculture. And that fragrance for me is actually like a perfect balance between the two, between mm -hmm. being a little edgy and at the same time very, very elegant, very put together and very likable. So it's a really beautiful, I mean, almost like think of it as a perennial uh, fragrance because yeah. you can really wear it every season because um, it goes between like the warmth of the patchouli and all the resins and the balms that are ingredients in there and also like has like a freshness with like lavender with like a carrot seed essence um, with notes that just make it very palatable very accessible very likable um, and that smooths the edge of yes. that um, more kind of like niche kind of story I love it yeah Okay, so now that we've heard of the story of misfits, um, I would like us to talk about nanban. So nanban is a term that comes from uh, like Chinese and also used in Japanese that described uh, foreigners, especially foreigners coming into Japan uh, when Japan first started like opening borders to trade. Mm -hmm. And this was in the 16th century with like the Spanish and the Portuguese. So again, we're going back to a very distant place with this one. And it, sends, it sounds very academic, but hear me out. <laughs> um, and uh, so Nanban actually means originally Southern Barbarian because uh, they were considered barbarians because anyone coming from you know, a different culture was not perceived as sophisticated. And they were coming from the South because of like the, the ocean currents. Uh, the sea currents that were, you know, when they were sailing into Japan were coming from um, south. And the Spanish and the Portuguese started trading with Japan at this time. And the Japanese thought, well, we want to go west and see also what's around there and see if we want to make any trade agreements with, you know, European superpowers and bring back things to Japan. This was also very interesting to, like, you know, Europeans. So they sailed. Uh, out of uh, away from Japan, they first like arrived in Mexico because actually they needed to uh, cross the Pacific and then they would cross the Atlantic to get to Europe. Um, so they came first to Mexico. They were there for a while and then they left again to go to Spain and eventually to all the way to France and Italy and then came back. And throughout this journey of uh, meeting with like different peoples and everything, they, um, of course, absorbed a lot of uh, influences and culture from the places that they touched upon. They also collected things that they wanted to bring back into Japan. Um, so they brought back Spanish leather, they brought back spices from Mexico and also from India and the Philippines. Um, they uh, brought back incense from like churches because uh, there was the first ex exposure to you know christianity and all of these ingredients which actually come from all over the world were then taken to japan and were basically stored in the dark holes of these galleons mm -hmm. so the fragrance nanban is basically a formula based off of all of these ingredients that were brought back to Japan in that time. So it's a very incense-driven uh, fragrance. 
It has a black leather that evokes the 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 Spanish leather that was so well known at the time. Um, it has like uh, a black pepper from India, from Malabar. It has uh, uh, coffee beans and cocoa beans also from Mexico. Um, there's a lot of uh, woods, a lot of like resins, a lot of uh, very kind of like dark, uh, brooding, heady materials that uh, smell very um, rich and uh, and unctuous in a way. Mm-hmm. So it's a very beautiful fragrance. It, it's uh, maybe the most, the darkest one, the most sort of like nighttime sophisticated. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to wear this and go out. <laughs> and Sensuality yeah, a little there's bit, a, there's mystery. A, there's a sort of like a real um, carnal aspect to it. Um, and I, again, I love the fact that it like, it, it, it unites and gathers ingredients from all over the world. And it's like the history of like commerce and trade and... Um, I think that's like so interesting. It um for people that like dark woody incense fragrance, I think this like just hits it right nail on the head. I can I can smell it. It's like I smell a person who's well traveled and I smell a person who's um alluring and has so many stories to tell. Yeah, and, and there's a, there's a sense of like, you know, like the hull of these dark galleons, you know, like there's a sense of mystery to it. Mm-hmm. You smell that as well. Like that's really well represented. Like there's, there's this kind of like, you can imagine sort of like the waves crashing uh, on this like galleon that's sailing back to Japan in a dark night, you know, and all of these like uh, coffers and trunks of like things um, and that like very rich kind of environment of like, wow, there's so much here to like smell and be a part of. So um, one more fragrance I'd love to discuss um, that's currently on the Scentbird platform is the Sydney Rock Pool. So this is a, a good example of how we're also not tied to one specific thing. Um, because, I mean, the two last stories I described are very historic, um, very much that tell you a story that is rooted on like very academic facts and research and everything. Sydney Rockpool is way more uh, fresh, contemporary, experiential, and a little bit more immediate. Sydney Rockpool mm-hmm. represents a beautiful day at the beach. What your skin smells like after toasting in the sun, what your what you smell like after like swimming in the ocean and having that a little bit of salt uh, left on your skin, drying down on your uh, on your skin. Um, the plants and the flowers that maybe you encountered on your way down, climbing down steps to get to like the rocky beach, um, the the sandstone uh, that like you know can maybe like be part of this like beautiful cove, um, and that also is uh, around like the famous like rock pools that are all around Sydney, Australia, and uh, it's really a scent that for me was like an escape. Mm-hmm. And I wanted also to balance kind of like the storytelling that we have with our keys with like a story that was uh, just something very universal, very uh, modern, and maybe a little bit less um, profound, less like uh, involved. Mm-hmm. Something that was like just really beautiful for the simplicity of the message, which was to smell the way you smell like after you've had like an incredible day at the beach, after you swam, you've been with your friends, you have a little bit of the sunscreen left on your skin. Um, how like desirable that all is. I I feel like that's 
of course, that's that's amazing. Like everyone has that memory, right? So it's so universal, um, something everyone can love. And it, you know, sometimes when people hear that a fragrance is vibrant, sunny, at the beach vibe, they're like, okay, I should wear this while I'm doing those things, or I should wear oh this in God. the summer. For me, it's the opposite. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think it's like. When I'm having a, I'm in a winter mood, I'm cold, I'm stuck inside and I wish I could go somewhere, especially now that we've been in and out of lockdown for the last few years. Yeah. I feel like this fragrance would be great to kind of transport you there and uplift your spirit and make you feel like you are outside and in warm weather. New York, it's snowing outside, but right. you can have that, that Sydney rock pool moment. Yeah. Home. I mean, again, it's, a, it's about transporting you and it's about like the memories uh, that can change your mood, can change your day. Um, so exactly for me, it's like capturing a moment in a bottle, capturing that day in a bottle, that like sunny, beautiful day, uh, the crashing of the waves. And the minute you smell it, you're like back there. And I actually started working on it. You know, I had like, had like really wonderful experiences in Australia, uh, actually presenting and, and doing sales event events for Artiste and Sydney just became like a really wonderful happy place for me so i started working on this and i idea and i decided to like focus in on sydney because it was such a special place um for me because it had a lot of elements that i thought were really beautiful for the fragrance that you had the frangipani and the jasmine that are like you know that like border houses and streets in sydney that take you down to like bondi beach and all the different like coves that are around there you have uh the beautiful like sandstone um that is so prevalent around like sydney harbor um of course the scent of like the ocean and like the sunscreen and everything it was just sort of something that i thought was like very evocative and very fresh and uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite fra favorite fragrances to develop, especially because like it's a very direct experience. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't know, maybe maybe the fact that we were able to capture that in a bottle actually elevates the experience and now makes it a little bit more significant because it's no longer banal that you when you need to escape and when you need to like put this on to feel better and to feel happier and to feel a sense of joy um, and to feel desirable that you reach for this bottle and it gives you that. Yeah. When I sprayed my my sample of, of Sydney Rockpool, my husband was instantly like, you smell like summer and good times. And I was like, that's exactly it. And it makes you, it truly does make you feel that way. It's so awesome that you can bottle that memory at once. It's time for Scent Connection. Distant Worlds edition. Brittany brings up a location, and Carlos shares the scent or memory that comes to mind. So I am just going to kind of throw out a location or a place, and I would love for you to tell me in your mind like quickly what it smells like to you okay and what kind of what kind of notes you're getting what kind of vibe like if you were to create a fragrance for it what would it be like what about saint petersburg oh well russian leather um just because i mean russian leather is a scent that uh, within fra the fragrance world um it's well known and uh russians they would like use vodka 
too steep um like woods like birch and fur in there to then t- to then perfume like leather ah. um leather books leather boots le- leather goods and so that became something that is very quintessential russian um and it like relates to like the forests of around st petersburg the fir and the birch trees um but also their culture about you know luxury goods and like a very sophisticated culture uh in the 19th century wow that's way better answer a very than nerdy, I could have ever a very imagined. nerdy answer to your <laughs> question such a great uh, let's continue to nerd out here yeah. um how about paris france oh like well bakeries yes i, I would say like bakeries first and foremost because i love bread <laughs> You know, Oprah, as, I as, love exactly <laughs> as the saying goes, um, and I just think it's just the most amazing, like, like to walk down the street with so many big bakeries because it's like they're like you know pride of place in French culture, of course. So you have them everywhere, and it smells amazing. Are you getting more of a, a sweetness or more of that like the the yeasty bread? I love the comfort. yeasty like bread, like baguette, sourdough kind of. That's my favorite. Um, I obviously love pastries too, but I prefer like a great sourdough or like a great crunchy, crunchy, uh, chewy baguette. Oh, I love that. You're we making can have me another podcast here. on bread. Yeah, let's just, <laughs> let's just have, a, let's call it the bread cast and the talk about cast. how delicious it is. <laughs> yes. I love that one. Okay. So for the next location, take us to Acapulco, Mexico. Oh, well, so I grew up going to Acapulco on weekends and on like holidays uh, because, you know, I grew up in Mexico City and it's like our beach. Um, Acapulco, I mean, there's a a hotel there that we would stay in that had the most amazing coconut ice cream. Oh. Um, So it's not necessarily like the whole environment smells like coconut, but I cannot forget that coconut ice cream. It's always like tied in my head to Acapulco. and. The experience of like the beach there because it would be like daily i would have like this coconut ice cream it was so good oh that sounds amazing and coconut ice cream can sometimes be a little soapy tasting and this was just like perfect it was creamy and milky and just so delicious and that's why i love coconut and that's why coconut is one of the notes in sydney rock pool as well and mm. i just love like any coconut sunscreen out there like it's always going to be my favorite you know when I think of the beach, I did not have exposure to coconut ice cream. It was more like a firecracker popsicle. <laughs> this sounds so like so magical to have that the the beach scene and, and the warmth and then this like lovely, creamy coconut ice cream. You're yeah. really transporting me here. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the common thread is like it's childhood memories. Right. Mm-hmm. And the the happiness that they sparked, really, it's what it is. Yeah. You're building a. You're building a memory that I haven't had that I can imagine yeah. with, with this scent. That's awesome. So for the last location in this game, I would love for you to take us to Calabria. Um, well, Calabria is known for uh, the citrus um, harvest, all the sort of like cultivation of like different citrus, like lemons and bergamot and oranges and all over, especially lemons and bergamot. Like Cal- Calabrian bergamot is considered the best in the world um, as it's used in fragrance. So, I mean, I can just imagine if you could like transport yourself to a field in Calabria when they are just about to like harvest all the citrus fruit and it's like ripe and you go early in the morning and you can smell uh sort of like the 
the the rind right like the skin mm. of like all these fruits like with like little dimples of like you know uh, bubbles of not not bubbles but like little like water droplets yeah from like the morning dew i think that must be like amazing it would be like charged with that like essential oil of all the citrus and then you know like the grass underfoot like the foggy uh dew in the morning uh, that just must smell amazing that's amazing i i could play this game with you forever <laughs> i feel like I am hungry. I am relaxed. <laughs> I am transported. I have been on an airplane, right? but in the best way possible. Thank you so much for playing that with us. <laughs> that was so much fun. Thank you, Brittany. You know, bringing meaning to your work is important, right? And I think meaning uh, in fragrance is, is a, a really beautiful thing because we have to like remember that we are in a world that is focused on creating beauty. Mm -hmm. in some way it is an artistic uh field there's a lot of technicalities and it is like a the a retail space right at the end of the day we're here to sell a product but the product needs to be beautiful and so a product that doesn't have meaning cannot be beautiful by definition really because yeah. it's lacking in substance and so i think that you know bring creating an experience that can motivate that can uh attract that can spark interest that can change somebody's day that can make them smile that they can make them remember somebody they can make them fall they can make them fall in love with somebody or with something or somewhere that is a really beautiful gift uh to be able to work on that so that's kind of my goal with uh, with our keys and with fragrance in general to like create meaningful products to create stuff that again you can tell there's a lot of passion and uh substance behind it that it's not just something to sell you because frankly you know life is limited and very fragile yeah. and we're not just here to accumulate we're here to create and enhance and you know fill our days with beautiful things absolutely extra absolutely i feel that wholeheartedly it's been a pleasure chatting with you today Thank you so much, Brittany. It's been so super fun, and I'm so excited that we got to do this. Thank you. That was Brittany Jackson Mosley and Carlos Huber from Arc East, based in New York City. Up next on Scent World, find your true self with Ingrid Nielsen and Erica Anderson, the co-founders of the New Savant. You've been listening to Scent World. Know a fragrance lover who would enjoy the show? Share Scent World and bring them on a journey of self-expression through scent. Scent World is a Scentbird original series produced by Flowship. Today's episode was executive produced by Maria Nurislamova, produced by Mike Giordani, edited by Ramiro Gava, mixed by Alex Roses, production support by Peely Melendez. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. 